so we are blessed. Chad is with us. We are so thankful. Uh, first time I ever heard of Chad was in Heaven Invades Earth. Got a little story in that book uh, that Bill wrote that kind of put Bethel on the map. Um, but Chad's been coming through on and off now for 15 years. That's pretty good, bro, actually. Um, and Chad is a water guy. If you don't know that, you'll probably share a little about that. But man, the man loves the water, loves prayer, loves Jesus, and loves his family, which is awesome. So can we just welcome Chad up? You! Oh, so good. So good. Oh, man, yes. Um, I've known, known you guys for a long time. I, uh, uh, it's been pretty awesome. A lot of you maybe, uh, you know, were running around in diapers uh, like 16, 18 years ago. But yes, um, I've been, we've been running together, and I've been hearing about Jason and Holly and Jesus Burgers for over 20 years. And uh, Last time I was here was in 2021 in November. We did this crazy purr paddle. Uh, we do these things called purr paddles, by the way, and uh, I'll explain that in a second. But they had a traffic jam at the uh, Port of Los Angeles, Port of Long Beach, biggest port in North America. Uh, that includes Mexico, Canada, and all that. But anyways, um, they had a big traffic jam of uh, cargo ships, and so I decided to go and pray and, and you know, paddle around the cargo ships and pray in the ports, and, and, uh, and it was an amazing time. And then we drove over here with a bunch of, you know, Germans and uh, Swiss and uh, whatever. We had, like, about five nations with us on that team, and we did Jewsburgers that Friday night. And uh, one of our team members, you know, because you guys have done such a good job of being a safe place and if people are partying and they drink too much, they, you know, will drop people off at Jesus Burgers. And so uh, this one, you know, lady had drank too much and she gets dropped off and and one of my team members, uh, she's sitting on her lap, and you know she's ministering to her, and then begins to bring the gospel, and it's like halfway into the gospel message, she's totally receiving it, totally getting rocked by the Holy Spirit, and then she pees all over my my uh, ministry student that I brought. And what I was so excited about was uh, she didn't stop. She did not hesitate. She continued on with the gospel while being urinated on, and she got radically saved. That's pretty awesome. That's a badge of honor right now. That, that's, that's, that's amazing. So anyways, yeah, is that an intense story? I mean, that was you guys. I mean, that's what you guys do. So uh, anyways, um, yeah, I'll never forget that. That was one of the most awesome ministry stories. But yeah, that was November 2021, and uh, it's been awesome just uh, coming through here. Uh, we've, uh, we've been doing these things called prayer paddles, and Jason was talking about how much I love the water. Well, um, I had never, you know, I'm not a paddleboarder. I really don't, uh, like growing up, uh, especially in the late 2000s, we do not like paddleboarders. Us surfers, we kept on telling paddleboarders, just keep paddling. And, uh, you know, but it's very much Isaiah 41, you know, forget the, the former things that I've done. Behold, I do a new thing. And paddleboarding has been around for 20 years. And I had a radical dream in January 10th, 2021, where I was on a paddleboard. And I was in Huntington Beach, where I'm born and raised. And, you know, it was the fun COVID era. And, uh, you know, a lot of churches shut down. And 
the whole deal of our governor saying that we can't worship, we can't sing, you know, the, you know all this different stuff. And it was a lot of, uh, you know, it was really fun being a priest, being a pastor, being a missionary during that time. And, uh, and so I had this dream, January 10th, 2021, where I was Huntington Beach. This angel had this, like, gold net, puts it into the ground, goes south, and I knew I was supposed to follow this angel. Ended up going all the way down to San Clemente Pier, so Huntington Beach to San Clemente Pier, Huntington Beach Pier. 37 miles, and it was one of those dreams that, you know, it went for a long time, but it felt like it was, you know, it was only a couple seconds, probably that dream. But anyways, I hear God say as I'm in San Clemente Pier, the Lord says, intercede. So I put my paddle down, put my hands up, start just worshiping and just praising Jesus, and then suddenly I see this cloud. And I've been a part of Bethel since 2002, and in 2010, we had this amazing season where this, like, cloud of God's presence would come into the sanctuary, and you would see, like, a light show. It would look like a fireworks, and there would be, like, you know, just all this crazy stuff and particles, and it was amazing. It happened probably around five times that I was there and saw, and uh, it was an incredible time, but it reminded me of that in my dream, and this cloud of God's presence went over San Clemente, over Orange County, over California, over America, then over like distant shores, distant nations. And I hear the voice of God say, February 2nd through the 6th. And I wake up from the dream and I'm like, God, you want me to paddleboard February 2nd through the 6th, 37 miles. I've never paddleboarded like over a mile in my life. I mean, I've jumped on a paddleboard. Woohoo, that's like fun. Yeah, novelty. Okay, I'm done with this. I want to go surf. I want to go shortboard. And then God's like, I want you to pray for your state by paddleboarding 37 miles in the dead of winter. Uh, I just got done, like I had holiday weight. This is January 10th, you know? Like, like my, uh, my anniversary, my wife and my kids should be coming up any moment and I'll, I'll single them out when they walk through that door. But anyways, um, you know, my wife and I, we've been married 19 years. So like our, our anniversary is January 8th. My birthday is December uh, 9th. My, my, my daughter's birthday is December 9th. December 7th. So we have a lot of feasts and a lot of parties. And I definitely had some holiday weight. And I was like, God, I'm not in shape. This is the dead of winter. I've never been on a paddleboard before over like 10 minutes of, you know, messing around. And so I went and did it. The last day of our prayer paddle, uh, the Supreme Court overturned Governor Newsom while we were in the water that churches can meet indoors. We've had over, like, that's sweet. Twelve of you are excited about that, but it's okay. Uh, but, but anyways, yeah, we've seen over ten governmental shifts while we've been in the water. Uh, uh, it's been pretty amazing. We were in the water in uh, February 26 when, uh, I believe that's the date, when we, in Maui, we prayer paddled from the harbor to Molokini, and uh, the mayor of Maui uh, ended the mass mandate. Uh, that was in 2022, and that was the first uh, island to end the mass mandate of COVID. And so anyways, I could keep going on and on, but um, it's been a real fun journey, and I love seeing models where you marry prayer and evangelism and, you know, it's all in the kingdom. We cannot compartmentalize the kingdom, right? There you go. Maybe I should hit that again. Like, some of us, maybe, you know, Paul says to desire all the spiritual gifts. Why would he exhort us in 1 Corinthians 12 to desire all the spiritual gifts if they're not all attainable? He doesn't set you up for failure. 
It's the Holy Spirit that begins to move. Now, some gifts become more natural than others, but the ones that are the craziest ones or the ones that you're the scared the most of are probably the ones that you have the most authority in. Somebody's like, wait, what? <laughs> you know, it's, it's called getting in the spiritual weight room that I remember when I was 14 years old and I was like 115 pounds on the basketball team, the surf team. I grew up in Huntington Beach, Edison High School, and, and I, you know, discovered the weight room. I'm a very extreme person. I mean, that kind of translates, I would imagine. Uh, I'm definitely seven on the Enneagram, and uh, I don't need to take the test. And so, uh, anyways, when I went into the weight room, I'm like, I'm going to work out every muscle group. I'm going to, like, get ripped and jacked right off the bat. And, but then there was also moments of intimidation. Like, I went to the, you know, the bench press, and I, you know, like, these girls, they had, like, 20 pounds on each side. And I'm like, okay, I could probably do that. And I pull up, you know, and I, and I go down, and I can't pull it up. And I started screaming help, and the girls had to come and help me. You know, in high school, like, if you have any insecurity, like, you know, those things, those insecurities are screaming at you. And, and so I worked out in that gym for four hours, first time ever in the weight room. And I, my grandparents own a health food store, so they gave me this protein powder. And this guy, like, his muscles have muscles. And he's like, if you take a scoop of this a day for 10 weeks, you'll look like him. The guy probably never taken the protein powder in his life. He was probably, like, on horse steroids or something like that. But anyways, I'm like, forget one scoop a day. I'm doing eight scoops, you know? Like, the thing was more like a solid than a liquid. And, and I'm like, tomorrow I'm going to be jacked. Well, I woke up in the middle of the night with a worse calf cramp. I put a hole in the wall. I had to take the day off of school the next day. My body was screaming at me, ow, you're not made for the weight room. Don't do that anymore. Like, I was in so much pain. But I kept on working out. I kept on going into the gym, and I stopped getting as sore. And then, you know, by, like, my sophomore year, I weighed, like, 150 pounds, and that was all muscle. The point is, is people will look at, you know, ministers like Chris Valentin or Randy Clark or, you know, Bill Johnson. They're like, oh, they're like lifting 300 pounds in healing and 300 pounds in the prophetic. And uh, I can't even lift five pounds. So that's not for me. And you have to understand, like, Bill Johnson's journey. You have to understand Chris Valentin's journey that then they had a first day in the weight room. And if you're sore, that means that's a good thing. You are growing. God's presence is the safest place you could possibly be, but him being safe does not translate to you being comfortable. He invites us to step out of the boat with him, that we have to redefine what success is, that sometimes we define success in the kingdom the way that man defines success of, oh, you make an investment with finances, I better have an 8% return or a 10% return. If I don't have that, that was a, a bad investment. And then we take that in the spiritual and we pray for someone for healing. Oh, they didn't get healed. I guess I don't have the gift of healing. Or, you know, that's, that's for somebody else. Not understanding that things are always moving in the spirit realm. Things are always changing as we pray. That we are growing on the inside. Oh, Jesus, there's a lot of, well, I loved the, uh, when you guys were just worshiping in the beginning about just seeking his face, and this is Ezekiel 39, 29, and this is kind of where we'll uh, start off this afternoon. 
Ezekiel 39, 29, one of my favorite scriptures. Because I'm all about, like, the ultimate designation for the church is the face of God. That we're after his face, we're after his heart. And two of the quickest pathways, there's more pathways, but two of some of the the quickest pathways to the heart of God, to the face of God, is through his hand and through his voice. Let me not get ahead of myself. Ezekiel 39, 29. I love the scripture. And I will not hide my face anymore from them when I pour out my spirit upon the house of Israel, declares the Lord God. For I will not hide my face from them anymore, for I will pour out my spirit. So it's in the outpouring his face is revealed. That's why I love healing. I don't just love healing so I could share a story or get a notch on my belt and, you know, oh, I got to pray. I got to be this conduit of heaven. That's amazing. But what I'm looking for is the face of God. And it's in the outpouring, whether that be an incredible time of worship, whether that be I'm feeding a homeless person, whether it be that I'm seeing someone's ears open up for the first time, that, that I'm looking for his face. Because it's in the outpouring that his face is revealed. That's why I love revival. That's why I love moves of God. When I was 17, you know, I was going through a really hard time. My parents came in to uh, my bedroom and said, hey, Chad, we're going to drop you off at the John Wayne Airport, and you're going to a place called uh, Brownsville in Pensacola, Florida. I was 17 years old, and this was in 1998. And I was like, I don't know anybody from that youth group, mom and dad. They're like, well, you'll get to know them as we drop you off at the airport. And I ended up just getting rocked where there was this move of God. And I just like repented, just turned my life back to God. And I was like weeping at the altar. And then within 20 minutes, something shifted and I started laughing. And no one ever told me about holy laughter, the joy of the Lord, didn't know anything about it. I was laughing so much, so hard. I was sharing a hotel room with three other guys, three other high school guys. They had to put me in the bathtub at 2 a.m. because I was keeping everyone awake. I just love his presence. You know, let's just hit that for a second because this will go well with what I'm kind of preaching on is, uh, you know, I wasn't like thinking, I wasn't doing that to get attention. Like I'll never forget when I, I ended up moving to Brownsville, to Pensacola, Florida. When I was 18, I took a Greyhound bus. 18 years old, my parents dropped me off at the LA Greyhound station and I took a bus for three days got to lead the bus to the Lord uh, on the third night with a bunch of Muslims. It was amazing. That's another story for another time. I want to tell a lot of healing stories uh, this afternoon. But, but anyways, I ended up, you know, getting to Brownsville, and I had never been slain in the spirit. I never spoken in tongues. And uh, so um, I, got, I got, I spoke in tongues. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit in a red Jeep Cherokee on the way to Walmart with a couple of Germans and a Swiss guy. And... Uh, you know, they, they said, oh, Chad, what, like I was on like a 21-day uh, fast, and I think I was on a, day 18, and I was crying in my room, and they're like, Chad, why were you crying on the way to Walmart? And I'm like, oh, I've been praying to get baptized in the Spirit, and I've gone to all these crazy meetings, and, you know, with like doing these crazy fasts, and I said, oh, that's easy. 
You know, we'll, we'll, you're gonna feel, we're going to pray in tongues and you're going to feel something erupt in your spirit and there's going to be like this river that flows. And I'm like, I have heard this hundreds of times. And God's like, yeah, that might be the problem. Maybe you need to readjust your heart like you're hearing this for the first time. And I was like, okay, God, I want to hear this like it's the first time. And then I look at the guys in the back. I'm in the pastor's seat. They got their eyes closed, speaking in tongues. The driver has his eyes closed, speaking in tongues. And I'm like, well, I'm going to encounter God one way or the other. Uh, If I can't beat him, I might as well join him. I close my eyes, and then something erupts in me. And I mean, I went for like a year and a half. Like, I was the guy that never, never fell, like, out in the spirit. I would go to all the crazy meetings, and, you know, they would, like, you know, you'd sometimes get, like, the, the minister, and he'd be, like, pulling, you know, or pushing your head down, and your friends would go down. He'd be like, oh, did God touch you? And they're like, no, I just kind of went down with everybody else. And I never did a courtesy fall. So they would, like, call me the Oak of Righteousness. And if usually in that time in the late 90s, if you don't do a courtesy fall, that's when, if you don't, like, fall when the man or the woman of God prays for you, that's when the deliverance team gets released. Like, a little door opens up under the pulpit, and then, like, the deliverance team with their flags and their bowls and their trash bags and their, you know, and you're looking for the demon. Like, where are you? Like, you know, like... Man, I think I should just share a funny story, but I have so many other stories I want to share. Well, let's just do it. Why not? Like, so, I mean, I was a basketball player, and, you know, I was 17 at this time when this story happened, and I, you know, would usually have, like, I was like the hobbit, you know, diet plan, and meaning I had many meals, you know, uh, second lunch, third dinner, that kind of stuff. Yeah, see, he gets it. And so, so I'm like thinking, I'm in this meeting, it's like midnight, and I'm thinking, where's the closest in and out? And they close at 1 a.m. And that's when the deliverance team came to me, and they're like trying to find the demon in me that, you know, why am I not, you know, getting slain in the spirit? And, uh, and so I'm like, you know what? I know a win-win scenario here. Like, I'm going to, like, I'm going to, I don't know why I thought this was a good idea, but I'm 17 years old, so you got to extend some grace. I faked a deliverance. <laughs> I started, like, screaming. I'm like, ah! Then I'm, like, I'm spitting in the bucket. I'm like, there it is, there it is. And we're all, like, dancing. I'm like, sweet, see ya. And I went to In-N-Out and got a three-by-three. It was awesome. And I felt like it was a win-win, you know? Like, but... I was immature at that time. But anyways. Yeah, I know. It is bad. It's bad. I've, I've asked for forgiveness a long time ago. <laughs> Tried to find those intercessors on Facebook. Couldn't find them. But anyways. Jesus. I'm just after his presence. And I remember going to Brownsville and I, you know, would always be the guy that would be standing there. I'm like, man, I want an authentic encounter with God. And, and I had this whole deal in the Red Jeep Cherokee. And then about several weeks later, I'm in this middle men's prayer meeting. And, and, uh, and, and I'm like all by myself. Like, I mean, there's no one praying for me. And I'm just got my eyes closed. And I see some of you maybe have never seen this movie. It's outdated. But at Indiana Jones, The Last Crusade, where Indiana Jones and the, you know, is going, and it's the leap of faith. It's the bridge, the invisible bridge, where he closes his eyes and he puts his uh, leg out and he goes 
just puts a step forward. And I see my spirit man do that, like this, like this invisible bridge, this, this, this step of faith. And the moment I do that, I felt like someone punched me in the stomach. I went flying, and I started shaking so hard, like my shirt came off, my shoes came off. My friends said I was like a fish out of water being electrocuted. But what happened was, I didn't even know this was legal, but what happened was, is I got, not only got slain in the spirit, I got taken up to heaven where I saw the father in the throne room. And, and I didn't even know, I thought that was like for Paul and the apostles. So, you know, I never even asked for that. And I was just getting rocked by the presence of God. And I was just, and it, the Lord did not speak. He opens his mouth and out of his mouth comes waves of God's love. And it was one of the greatest moments of the spirit of adoption, the father's love just hitting my spirit. And that's what was causing me to shake. And all I could scream is, I love you, daddy. I love you, daddy. I love you, daddy. Now this happened for four hours and we, we, we had curfew. You know, we were, I was a part of a ministry school at Brownsville and we had this curfew. And so my friends are like, you know, it's, it's like background noise. And, and they're grabbing me and they're saying, Chad, it's curfew. We've got to like go. And, and I'm halfway in, halfway out. And it's really hard to explain. But, but I just had this thought of why would I want curfew to shut down the greatest encounter with God I've ever had? This is what I've been crying out for my whole life. And, and I just went, I love you, daddy, right back into it. And I just went right back in where there's no more background noise. They had to carry me. I came back to planet Earth 14 hours later. It lasted 18 hours hours, this encounter. And people ask me all the time, Chad, how do you see all these miracles and healings and moving the prophetic? And it's like, well, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then I got baptized in the spirit of adoption where the father's love wrecked me and has pretty much wrecked me from that moment on, 18 years old. And I'm 40 something, (laughs) 42. And I remember where I became so sensitive to the Holy Spirit and I would, you know, sometimes like be in my dorm room and I'd be on the floor shaking under the presence of God. And you'd hear people go, oh man, what, what is that guy doing? He's just doing that because he wants attention. He's just doing that because, you know, he, he's, he's doing a courtesy fall or he's just doing that. And I'd be on the ground going, you don't know my journey. That I've gone to all these crazy meetings and I never did a courtesy fall. I'm not doing this to get attention. I'm doing this because I love his presence, that I want to be as sensitive to his presence as possible, that I want my heart to be tenderized by his presence. And that's why I love healing. That I'll never forget, I was in Detroit, Michigan, and this lady brings uh, her daughter, five-year-old daughter, and she has a... A, a disease that they actually named after her. She cannot be touched. She cannot eat, you know, uh, food. She has to have an IV. She's never had a hug from her mom. And so she's five years old. And I begin to pray for her, and the presence of God just comes swooping in. And you could feel that there's things shifting in the atmosphere. And I put my hand on her shoulder and I go, how does that feel? And she goes, that doesn't hurt. That doesn't hurt. And my first inclination was, oh, I'm going to give her a hug. And I just felt the Holy Spirit say, don't you dare. You need to have her mom give her a hug. So I'm like, hey, mom, just give her a light hug. And so she gives her this hug. And this five-year-old girl just starts saying, tighter, mommy, tighter, mommy, tighter, mommy. And she's just squeezing her tighter and tighter and tighter as we are just weeping tears of joy that this girl is getting embraced by her mom for the first time. 
And it's important with healing especially and with God, this is a kingdom principle, to not be in a hurry. There are times when you do, you release the breaker anointing and it's like bam, 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 bam. It's awesome. But what I love is when like God is wrecking someone, it isn't just for them, it's for me especially as a minister, that I have to have times where someone is getting rocked and I'm just letting it cut me deep. And usually what that looks like is tears, meaning that I, it's not tears because I'm sad. I'm, I'm crying because I'm so grateful. It's the awe of God. I love going into atmospheres where it's just like, just so full of God's presence. And Jesus loved this. Jesus would go to Capernaum over and over and over again because the place was an open heaven. Some of the craziest miracles happened in Capernaum where Jesus ministered. You had, you know, the, 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 the satyrian, the man of the greatest faith, where, you know, he, Jesus could feel the faith off the guy and he's like, hey, your servant's unwell. I'll take the journey to go lay hands on him. And, and the guy's like, no, no, no. I understand what you're operating in. You just speak the word. And Jesus is like, oh, finally, someone who gets me. Like, I'm not limited. I'm not restricted. And that's the deal with God. He is not limited. He is not restricted. He's like, he loved going into Capernaum. I mean, Jesus is doing a home group meeting and these guys can't get in. They can't get their friend who's crippled into the home group meeting. And so they cut a hole through the ceiling and they lower him down. And Jesus is like, how great is your faith? You're healed. Now, that wasn't Jesus' home, so he didn't really have much to clean up afterwards. But, but that, that is signs of hunger. Jesus was attracted to communities that were full of faith, full of hunger. I love going into places where you could feel like you could move in your anointing. There's a, you know, what's the difference between your, the gift of healing and an anointing of healing? Well, people are going to get healed. Both, both of them are going to get healed. The deal is, is when you move in your gifting, you move in your authority, you move in your identity, you could feel like unbelief and you've got to like break it open. But when the anointing gets released, it's not you as an individual. It's actually the community or somebody else that's pulling it out of you. It's like when the anointing comes, it's, it's, a, it's an old, I feel like I'm outdating myself on some of these references, but it's an old commercial Staples, which I don't even know if Staples is still around, but they said hit the easy button. And the anointing is like hitting the easy button. Like I'll get out of meetings when I got to move out of my gifting and I will be tired. But when the anointing hits, I am more full of energy after the meeting. But it wasn't me that was doing that. It was the room that I was in. It was with people that were full of hunger, full of faith. I remember Julie and I, we went to Paris, France. And, you know, I would hear people say, oh, Paris, France, it's like a missionary's graveyard. Churches can't handle, you know, like they're, they're, the gospel is so hard in Paris. Well, we ended up going to Paris in 2008 and I'm preaching on the Father's love, and I have people stand to receive the Father's love, and, and this man just gets rocked, and, and people started getting rocked, and deaf ears started opening, and you could hear uh, bones cracking back into place, and people started you know, having metal dissolve, and people got so crazy, they ripped my shirt. Please, no one ripped my shirt to prove how hungry you are for God, but you know those kind of atmospheres, I, I love it. 
Like, I'm, I'm game on. Julia was like, I'm, I'm really scared to be down there. I'm going to pray for you from the stage, you know, like in the, in the safe zone. And this man, all you had was like 30 seconds to pray for people because it was so crazy. And this man goes, I had surgery uh, last week and stuff's coming out of me. Like my, my stitches opened up, my staples opened up and it was a stomach. And I'm like, oh God, like keep the, the, the organs inside. But all I had was 30 seconds. So then I prayed for him and then I had to go pray for other people. Well, we, we get a phone call. The pastor gets a phone call when we're out to lunch. And this guy, he was a Muslim man. His wife got radically saved the week before. He brings her husband to church. They had surgery. He had stomach cancer. They discovered that he had cancer all throughout his body and that they couldn't remove all the cancer. So they stapled them back together and said, you've got two weeks left to live. Now, this is a week later. He comes to church. Here's me speak. And he starts, the staples bust open. And this is in November. Like, it's really cold and the whole deal. And so he's trying to, like, stuff's coming out. And they, they go to the hospital. And the same doctors that do the surgery go, we don't understand what's happening. But the cancer is actually fleeing your body. He gets radically saved and healed. I love going to places like that. You know, those are Capernaums. That's what the Lord is, is inviting you guys into. You guys are cultivating that as a, a, a community that's hungry, that is, is full of the anointing, that is, you know, pulling on God and saying, God, you are not limited. You are not restricted. This is Luke 4. We're, we're jumping into some scripture. You guys ready? Luke 4. This is Jesus coming into Nazareth. And, you know, as you turn there, I'll just set this up a bit. Is everyone here, the, the human condition, where you were born, you have an authority for. That the city that you were born in, that doesn't mean you have to live there. It just means that there is a part of you, you grew up there. Like, like there is a special place in your heart for where you were raised. And Jesus was raised in Nazareth. And it's very famous that this scripture where it talks about Jesus being rejected at Nazareth. I don't think Jesus woke up one morning and said, you know what? I want to stir up the spirit of rejection in my hometown uh, to the point where they try to kill me. Like, you know what? That sounds like a hoot. Let's do that on a Saturday. Like, no, I don't think he had that. He had a heart for Nazareth that this was an invitation for them to become a Capernaum, which I'll break down in a second. But I believe that Jesus went to school with blind little Timmy. And he's like, now one one day the Holy Spirit's going to rest on me and I'm going to pray for blind Timmy and he's going to see birds for the first time. That every time I go to my father's, you know, carpentry shop, I see that blind beggar and I, one day the Holy Spirit's going to rest on me and I'm going to pray for that blind beggar that I used to pass by at eight years old because the Holy Spirit's going to rest on me that I have a heart for my hometown. And he, this was how God does invitations. So this is Luke 4. You guys doing good? Verse 21, and he began to say to them, today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, is this not, is this not Joseph's son? Is, and he said to them, doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, physician, heal yourself. What we have heard you do in Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. Isn't that interesting? He addresses their heart cry. There's Julia. 
Julia, yep. Sit. No one else. I, I, yeah, there she is. And there's my beautiful daughter, Brielle, back there. And then uh, they made it. They, they were just, you know, they're, they're right on time. I mean, this is, he's, he's addressing their heart cries. I know what you want. You want, you want what's in Capernaum. You want an open heaven. And he says, you know, this is where he, he has the famous scripture, a prophet is without honor in his hometown, as you read on. And I call these bummer scriptures. Let me break it down for you. You know, that, that he was trying to ignite something, trigger something in the people of Nazareth. A prophet's without honor in his hometown. There was, there, it says that the people were amazed, they were perplexed, they were in awe. They heard about all the stories, all the testimonies of what Jesus had been doing in Capernaum. And he, he addresses, I know what you want, you want what's in Capernaum. And this is how he gives them this invitation. And he says, a prophet is without honor in his hometown. And he was trying to trigger them. Oh, my gosh, Jesus, you don't feel honored because there was a line in the sand of either this familiar spirit to come on them. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Isn't, doesn't his sisters and brothers live among us? Isn't he the son of Mary and Joseph? But they didn't realize that he is a different boy, like he's a different man. He's not the same boy that grew up in their midst. The Holy Spirit is now op like operating, resting on Jesus to be the Savior of the world. Oh, Jesus. This is when we get into the good stuff here. Because if you want to go after signs and wonders and healing, you want to go after like salvation and go after like the gifts of the Spirit, there'll be people that begin to pop up. There'll be people that God begins to rest on. And that isn't to like, you know, craze envy or jealousy or, you know, why are you doing that with him and not with me? No, no, no. One person's breakthrough is a corporate grace for the whole community. And it's that ability of celebrating one another, you know, celebrating what God's doing in Johnny, what God's doing in Mary. And then it begins to open the door for God to breathe on your life. Can let me hit this a little bit harder. So Bill Johnson's a hunter. He's a spiritual father of mine, and he used to have this. He used to have a hunting dog, and he would tell me this principle of when uh, you know he would take out his dog hunting with other friends that were hunt that had hunting dogs, and so you'd have three hunting dogs that would be like trying to get their sense of smell activated of where's the deer, where's the deer. And then suddenly that first dog gets triggered with their sense of smell, points in the direction of that deer, and the other two do not have the sense of smell activated, but they honor the point, they honor the first dog, and they all point in the same direction. And there's something about honoring the point. That, you know, there's a reason why Moses sent out 12 spies. God will always raise up spies in the land and pay attention to the spies that come back with the milk and honey, that come back with the fruit of the land. And that's what healing is. That's what signs and wonders is, that this is the promised land of the resurrected Jesus, that he's been crucified, but now he's been resurrected, and we've been resurrected and co-crucified with him. Therefore, we have resurrection power, because Christ in you, the hope of glory. John 14, 12, those that believe in me will do the same works as I do, and even greater works you'll see because I'm going to be the Father. One of the greatest tag your it scriptures there is. 
But the reason why I'm saying that's a bummer scripture is that a prophet is without honor in his hometown is that prophets should be the most honored in their hometown. It's not the thorn in prophet's side. Jesus. He was trying to trigger that that was the way that he did an invitation because he goes on to say, hey, in the time of Elijah, there were many widows, but only one widow got ministered to. In the time of Elisha, there were many lepers. Only one leper got ministered to, as you read on in Luke 4. I'm paraphrasing. What is he saying at face value? Hey, God's limited. There was a bunch of lepers. Only one leper got it. You want it to Capernaum? Sorry, you can't have it. Sorry. And it was to trigger the people to be like, oh my gosh, Jesus, you don't feel honored here? We've heard about the miracles. We've seen you move in healing. Oh, wow, we're so, forgive us for dishonoring you, for having that familiar spirit, to have that heart cry of, can anything good come from Nazareth? Some of you are looking at me with that tone of voice. Okay, let me hit this even harder. Matthew 15. Matthew 15, this will be the last scripture, and then we want to pray for some people. Matthew 15, now, when I get to heaven, I cannot wait to meet this lady. This lady is one of my heroes. She is one of the heroes of the faith. Matthew 15, verse 22. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word, and his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. So right now she's being rejected. She's being ignored. The disciples are like, hey, she's like, you know, really obnoxious. Like, send her away. And then he, and then he gives her another bummer scripture. He answered, verse 24, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. But she came and knelt before him saying, Lord, help me. Heidi Baker says that's her greatest prayer. God, help me. You know, you get responses that you don't like from God. Well, then you just begin to worship him. You begin to get on your knees and you begin to worship and you say, God, help me. And so that was her response. And, and you know, what is he saying there? Hey, I'm not anointed to the, the people of, of Cana. I'm not anointed to the Gentiles. Like, you know, let me give you a little secret. I'm going to go and die on the cross. And when I'm resurrected, it's, it's, for, it's available for everybody. So maybe if you fast, you'll speed up the process. That was more of a joke. But anyways, <laughs> that's a bummer scripture. He's saying I'm limited. Is Jesus limited? Bingo. And this woman knew it. She saw Jesus, and he, she knew he is carrying the breakthrough for my daughter. And I am waiting for the open door. I'm waiting for the green light, and I'm going to keep pushing. I'm hungry. I'm going to keep on asking for help. I'm going to keep on pulling on the anointing that's on Jesus. And he's saying, hey, I'm sorry. I'm limited. I'm only anointed to the people of Israel. You're not an, you're not, you're, you're not an Israelite. But look what, she said, look what uh, Jesus says here. And he answered, it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Now, this is the deal here. Jesus says something that's so offensive. It's not right for me to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Like, you have to understand, especially with healing, that 
the moment of offense, like she is waiting for the open door and she's like, oh my gosh, he just gave me the green light. He just gave me the open door because she goes, yeah, that's true, but, but even do, you know, we'll eat the scraps off the master's table. And he goes, oh, woman, how great is your faith? And her daughter was healed instantly. That was in the same conversation. It wasn't after resurrected Jesus. In the same conversation of saying, hey, I'm sorry, I'm limited. I only am anointed to the people of Israel. And then he gives it a very offensive deal. And she's like, this is my open door. This is it. That's right, God. But you know what? Even the, you know, we could even eat the scraps off the master's table. And he goes, oh, how great is your faith. Daughter healed instantly. Does that not blow you away? That's the red letters of Jesus. He was testing her. He was testing the people of Nazareth. Where they got so offended, they wanted to kill him. They put the card on the table of what they were dealing with their heart. But this lady was full of faith. She saw what Jesus was, was moving in. And going after healing for two decades... I have seen people where they've had conditions, they've had diseases, they've had ailments for decades. And I will get them to track the moment they got offended with God for them to understand that that was their moment of invitation for healing. That was their open door. When the seed of offense came in, that was their open door. Jesus. I love healing. I remember Indonesia being a missionary at 20 years old. I had no idea what I was doing in ministry. And this pastor in the jungles of Kalimantan asked me to do a healing service. And I did a healing service, and no one was healed. First time ever doing a healing service. I'm walking in the jungles with God, and I'm like, God, that was a real bummer moment. Like, you know, that was, and here's the deal. Like, that is one of the big ones, is what do you do with your heart when you see no breakthrough? What do you, how do you handle that with God? How do you process that with God? And, and then the pastor came and found me in the jungle and said, hey, will you do another healing meeting? And I'm like, in my brain going, no way do I want another healing meeting. That was uncomfortable. That was like, you know, that, that was really, you know, it was just, yeah, it was uncomfortable. And God's like, you need to say yes. You need to do it again. And I'm like, God, I, I'll do it again if we can have different results. <laughs> and he goes, well, will you trust me? And I'm like, okay, I'll trust you. And so the Lord says to me, I want you to take your best clothes. This was a Saturday you know, night. And in Indonesia, you wear your Sunday best. All I had was one button-up shirt and one nice pair of slacks. The rest were like shorts and T-shirts that you would get all dirty in the jungles. And, and, and God's like, I want you to take your best clothes and wash everyone's feet. And I'm like, God, you know Indonesia's culture. Like, I have to preach the next morning, and I've got to have that to be clean. And he goes, no, you need to trust me. And I'm like, okay. So I go to this woman, the first woman, who's on a cot. She had rheumatoid arthritis. And I begin to wash her feet. And suddenly you could hear the, the bones, like, cracking back into place. And she gets up out of the cot that she had been there for 18 years on this cot. And she's running around the church screaming, thank you, Jesus. And then I begin to pray for that. I wash another woman's feet. She gets healed. And I wash another man's feet. He gets healed. And I'm washing this lady's feet. And 
and the boy who's sitting on her lap, three years old, starts looking around and he, and he starts saying, mama, mama, mama. And, and I didn't know that she was, uh, the boy was deaf and mute from birth. Everyone in that room was completely healed, 100% healings. So I went from zero, no one getting healed, to everyone being healed, which was, which was awesome. I love those meetings where everyone gets healed. I remember going to Mozambique and this village in Miezi where these kids would be taken up to heaven. And Roland Baker, if you know the Baker's history, Roland Baker's grandfather was a missionary in China and had a, had a season of these kids in the children's center where they'd be taken up to heaven. And so it was very similar to that. And so Heidi was like, I want you to go and preach at this village, Miezi, these kids, these five-year-olds, these eight-year-olds getting taken up to heaven, and the Muslims are being healed in the village. And then, you know, the, the stories will go out, good news does travel. And so, like, you know, one day walk, like these Muslims would come and, and be carrying their, their friends, their family members on makeshift cots. And then by the time I got there, there was people coming for seven days, a seven-day journey of cancer, of, of blindness, of deafness. And it was all the five-year-olds, the seven-year-olds, the eight-year-olds. So I was like all expectant and ready and charged and thinking there's going to be crazy, like, you know, just crazy stuff. So I'm like, well, let's just start off the meeting praying for those with deafness. And I had a microphone that was a, a cord. And I went to go pray this 10-year-old boy, and I felt this surge of electricity go through me. And this boy kind of like, and I, we both kind of, you know, jumped, and his ears open up. And it was amazing. I was like, man, like, like, this place is like really, like, I felt, you know, this like surge of electricity of like, man, I've never really felt that before. That's pretty awesome. And then I prayed for this man who's in his 30s, you know, born deaf, and I touched his ear, and I felt the surge of electricity come through me. And, and then he kind of went back, and I went back, and that's when I realized the microphone cable was exposed, like the wiring was cut open, and I was being electrocuted in the natural, but God will use anything to ignite your faith, because these guys, like, I was electrocuting them, like in the natural, but they would be like, who is this white guy, like, electrocuting me, you know, like, but they're like, well, that must be God, and then they would open up their ears, so, you know, God will use anything. God has a very good sense of humor. I could give a lot of different stories, and, uh, and Julia's here. She could tell stories too, but um, we really want to pray for people tonight. And, uh, you know, it's just... Uh, it's a privilege. You know, Jason was telling me weeks ago, he's like, bro, we want, we want to go after healing. We want to go after the miraculous. And, you know, that's like our heartbeat. You know, I was just in Ecuador last month, and we uh, saw a guy who um, was born with no eardrum. And uh, God opened up his ear, gave him a new eardrum. I love the creative miracles, you know, and, and again, like on your pursuit of God, he doesn't give you dreams. He doesn't give you desires to tease you. 
You know what I mean? He's a good father. He's inviting you into a place of dependency that you need to have dreams that are so big that your gifting can't get you there, that you have to be dependent on God for those dreams to come to pass. But he doesn't give you dreams to tease you and that, you know, we break off hope deferred that's in the room that maybe some of you have taken risks. Some of you have stepped out in, in, in risk. And, you know, and here's the deal. I'm going to hit this because there's a pulse on this. It's my dad. He was radically saved in the Jesus people movement. And he would see crazy, crazy healings. And then he prayed for this lady with cancer in the hospital, prayed for her, and she died. And that was in 1980. And I was born in 81. And my dad, you know, was in full-time ministry for decades, and he never prayed for the sick until 1999, when he had this whole revelation on the cross and the blood of Jesus. And so that, that gift of healing lied dormant for almost two decades. And I'll never forget the night it resurrected. We were watching the Los Angeles Lakers. And, uh, you know, that was young Kobe and, and, uh, and prime Shaq. And uh, we were watching the Laker game. And our roommate, who's like this karate guy, is like, starts screaming, my back, my back. And he's begging my dad to pray for him. And my dad's like, oh, no, no, no. You don't want me to pray for you. The last person I prayed for died. <laughs> and that was 20 years ago. And the guy's like, no, you're my pastor. Please pray for me. I'm in so much pain. Please pray for me. And my dad's like, okay. Like, like meaning that he did not have any faith. And my dad's like, okay, I'll pray for you. But, he was, but the Lord was really working on him to resurrect that gift, to resurrect that anointing. And, and my dad was like, you know, he was not seeing it yet. And it had been dormant for 20 years almost. And he lays hands and he prays. And then suddenly my roommate goes, oh, my gosh, I feel like there's fire. He started doing karate kicks and doing these, like, crazy handstands. He's like, I'm completely healed. And my dad, all the while, the Lakers in the background, just staring at his hands like, that came out of my hands? Like, like I didn't think I had that. And that started my dad on a journey where he began to see crazy miracles and healings where Bill Johnson says that he's one of the craziest like healing revivals that he knows. And that there are, like there can be, you know, it's, it's at Proverbs 13, 12, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but desire realized is the tree of life. And that God wants to resurrect dreams. You know, that me and my dad in San Diego, uh, Julie was there, we watched a guy who was missing a thumb in a lawn mowing accident three years earlier. So everyone knew him in San Diego as the guy that was missing a thumb. And me and my dad just put our hand where the thumb would be, and we started praying for this creative miracle. We take our hands off, and there's a new thumb. You know, and I have this desire, this heart cry, man, I want to see missing body parts come back. And, you know, God's not like up in heaven and he's like grabbing the angel and saying, oh, Gabriel, grab the popcorn. Let's give Chad another missing body part stream. Oh, look, he's at the grocery store. He's going to go pray for that person who's missing a thumb. He'll never see it. That's not who God is. He's inviting us. He's wooing us to take that risk. That we give him opportunities. That we be people like this Canaanite woman where we begin to see what Jesus is capable of, that he is not limited, he is not restricted. And even though his voice at times might say, yeah, bummer, I'm limited, that we would look past that and go, oh, no, no, I'm hungry. I know who you are. I know what you're carrying. 
And that to understand that offense can be like offense and inconvenience are some of the two biggest pathways to have an impartation from heaven. When you're inconvenienced and when you get offended. Blessed is he who's not offended at me. Let's think about that. That's John the Baptist who sends his disciples in Matthew 11, hey, go ask Jesus if he really is the Savior or should we wait for someone else? Like John the Baptist was centerfold right there when, when, when the, the Holy Spirit manifests, the clouds open, the Father says, this is my son whom I love and I'm well pleased. And that's John Baptist's whole ministry, right? He's eating like a steady diet of locusts and honey going, are you the one? No. Are you the one? No. Like, like thousands of people. Are you the one? No. Behold the one. I know in my spirit this is the one. And now he's sitting in prison. What did Jesus proclaim he was anointed for? It's an open book test. I'm anointed to set captives free, right? That's what he preached in Luke 4, in the synagogue. This scripture is now fulfilled, it says in Luke 4, that I'm anointed to set captives free. And John the Baptist is sitting in prison under Herod, and he's like, man, I thought you were the one. Like, if there's anyone that you should be moving in your anointing for, it's me. I'm your family. I'm your cousin. I'm the first one to promote your ministry. And here I am sitting in prison. So, hey, you know, disciples, go and ask Jesus, are you really the one or should we wait for another? And Jesus is like, tell John what you see. The deaf are hearing. The blind are seeing. Lepers are getting cleansed. The demons are getting cast out. Blessed is he who is not offended at me. So just put your hand on your heart. So, Lord, we just thank you, Lord, for this community that's full of faith, full of hunger. Lord, that they love the anointing. And we love you, Holy Spirit. We love you. Lord, that you would break off offense, that any offense that gets stirred up in us tonight, that we would understand that's an invitation, that we would actually see it as an open door, that we would begin to lean in, that we would begin to say, God, help me with my offense. Forgive me for my offense. Lord, let me grab the nutrients of healing, the nutrients of you as a good God. Lord, that you would soften our hearts so that we would begin to encounter you, that we would begin to see your face. Lord, that you would take us deeper into your heart. And Lord, I pray that this would be a safe place to grow in the miraculous, to grow in the gifts of the Spirit, that this would be a safe place to take risk. And Lord, that you'd begin to raise up spies, forerunners, that are carrying that healing anointing. And Lord, that we would have the ability to not have any familiar spirit, to not have any judgment, but to celebrate those that God's breathing on, understanding that it releases breakthrough for our own lives. I thank you this is a community that celebrates one another. And Lord, right now, we just pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd begin to heal 
The people in this room that are dealing with ailments, dealing with conditions, dealing with diseases, Lord, that you would crash in right now. There's uh, some people here that you have like, you know, fallen arches. You don't have arches. Like there's fire under your feet. There's somebody here, you're, you're dealing with uh, like debilitating anxiety and you have night terrors. And the Prince of Peace is crashing into your life. The Prince of Peace is introducing himself to you. That you would learn to sleep in the midst of the storm as Jesus did. So just come with waves of healing tonight. 